Are you ready for homeschooling to feel joyful again? Do you want to build closer relationships, remove some of the stress around planning, and enjoy learning with your children? Welcome to Your Morning Basket. I'm Pam Barnhill, a homeschool mom just like you, and I'm going to show you the magic and fulfillment that Morning Basket or Morning Time can bring to your homeschool. Grab your coffee or tea and let's get started. Hello there. Okay, so I am joined today by two of our team members here. I almost said my favorite team members, but I really shouldn't do that because... You're all my favorites. Um, what kind of like your children? Yeah, children are all my favorites. All my favorites. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I was actually recording a podcast with Olivia earlier, and I said uh, one of my very favorite people, and she said I thought you were going to say one of my very favorite children. And I'm like I can't do that because your brothers won't like it. But yes, two of my favorite team members here today: Don Garrett, who is our community manager here at uh, Your Morning Basket, and then also Lainey Homan, who is our member success manager. So, ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, always excited to be here. Always good to have you. Okay, so we are going to jump into our topic in just a minute. But first, I wanted to start with our morning time moment. And I just wanted to ask you, what is it that you're reading right now in your morning time? So Dawn, you want to tell us? Sure. Um, My one student is wanting to do a year where she learns about cooking. And so I pulled two books and um, one of them is Tamar Tamar Adler's An Everlasting Meal. And it's a book of essays about cooking and the way you think about food and how you go from one meal to the next. It's really beautiful. I told told Rebecca, I told my daughter, I was like, this is a book about food for a single person, not for a family. She lovingly puts the leftover roasted cauliflower in a mason jar that she puts in her refrigerator. And I'm like, I could cook four heads of cauliflower and have some leftovers, but we will eat as much roasted cauliflower as you can get. But she just writes really beautifully. And I wanted I wanted to have that aesthetic in our morning time. And then I ordered a, um, a cooking school cookbook, and I'll get you the link later. Um, for the show notes, but it's about how to cook from the um, America's test, test kitchen people. And it's a real basic introduction. So we're going through right now We're we just recently read, you know, what does it mean to boil? What does it mean to bake? What does it mean to roast it? Like to find all of those cooking techniques. And then we have the things you use in the kitchen and ingredients. And so it, it goes step by step. Okay, so not to get too off on a tangent here, but, you know, you have always been this big uh, cheerleader for living books in morning time. So this America's Test Kitchen book, it's a living book? Um, Well, that's why we're reading the Tamar Adler. <laughs> that's very much our living book. But I do think that um, this kind of reference, if it's well-written, can be living. Um and we're just like looking at a couple pages a day and it has recipes. And so we can kind of talk through some of those things and try them out. Um, she wanted some practical things to learn. She, as if for her junior year, she would like to learn about cooking for her senior year. She would like to talk about sewing. I'm not sure how many living sewing books there will be, but I'm trying to like 
have a balance. I'm challenging you. If anybody can find a living sewing book, it'll be you. So I'm challenging you. You're going to have to come back next year and report. Did you find the living sewing book? But I do think it's actually really fascinating that you're like, okay, we're just opening it up and looking at a couple of pages a day and talking about the things that are on the page. And um, yeah, so I'll be interested to see how this goes for the rest of the year. Very cool. Very cool. It'll be at the dawn to find the book, but I bet that you could find a living quilting book. Quilters are passionate people. <laughs> so I'm curious. It might not be exactly a how-to, but I bet you can find, like, I even have some picture books about quilting, I think, because my mom is the quilter. Patricia Polacco's uh, The Keeping Quilt, is that what it's called? I know she has a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I bet if nothing else, you'll be able to find a memoir or something like that about either seamstressing or or quilting or something. Maybe so. Betsy Ross. Maybe, oh, maybe, cool. yeah. All right, lady, what are you guys reading? Okay, so we're just we're still like in the middle of fairy tales. Uh, we've been doing the fairy tales exploration, and um, I have really been enjoying it. We spent about a week reading. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast poem by Charles Lamb. It took us a while. We weren't reading through it quickly, just a few stanzas a day. But I think my favorite so far has been The King's Equal by Catherine Patterson. Uh, and that was a new fairy tale for me. I had never heard it. And I just really enjoyed it. We just finished that one this past, uh, I guess, last Friday, we finished that one. And then, you know, we're just diving into some of the more familiar fairy tales um, that the kids we've read. The Little Mermaid, that was one that they were a little, like, they were surprised because the endings are different. Like, the versions versions that they're familiar with just from, and we don't spend a lot of time in the Disney fairy tales, but those are still the things that kind of come up that they're more familiar with. So I've been trying to really stick with some of the more original type versions. The kids are old enough, and, like, I'm not sure that you can be too young for them in the first place, but it's... Um, yeah, so we've been reading a lot of fairy tales, but The King's Equal by Catherine Patterson was a new fairy tale for me, and um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was one of the book picks from the explorations. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very cool. I, yeah, I think it's Andrew Pudawa I heard talk about The Little Mermaid um, and just his his take on what it was all about and just the self-sacrifice and everything in that. And so, yeah, you really don't. It does not have a happy ending, the Hans Christian Andersen version. Yeah. So go if if you're not familiar, go check that one out. And then if you're like, why fairy tales? We have a fabulous episode with uh, Angelina Stanford all about fairy tales. Uh, we can link for you in the show notes as well. Um, okay. So we are reading in morning time. We are reading this book called Glitch. Um, it is by uh, Laura Martin, who also wrote a book that we enjoyed a couple years ago called The Edge of Extinction. So my goal for the first read aloud of Morning Time with the boys was uh, catching their attention, right? Like really kind of grabbing their attention. And, and I will be honest, we actually started off the year, the very first week of the year, finishing last year's books. <laughs> So we read the last chapter of Animal Farm and we read um, 
the last three or four chapter, chapters of the Watsons go to Birmingham. And it was hilarious, y'all, because we we had Olivia come in. You know, she graduated, um, but we had Olivia come into morning time for the last chapter of Animal Farm. And then we started picking up reading the Watsons. And she's like, Mom, I'm not as interested in hearing the end of that book. I really wanted to hear the end of Animal Farm. And so I'm like, well, I, you know, you've graduated. I'm not going to force you to come in if you don't want to come in and listen to the end of it. Well, then like the second or the third to the last chapter of the Watsons go to Birmingham, like you have this slow burn, the whole book, and then bam, in the most literal sense, everything happens right at the end of the book. That's when the the most compelling, you know, just like astonishing part of the book happens. And so we read that, like, she was gone and we just read it. And the next day she was wandering in and out when we were reading some of the aftermath and she's like, what happened? And so then we had to go back and tell her everything that happened. So now it's just me and the boys. And I, I started them off with this book called glitch that was actually recommended by Sarah McKenzie from read aloud revival. It was on her middle to high school list of books to read aloud instead of doing a literature curriculum. And um, it's a real fascinating book. It's all about going back and changing history. So uh, there are these glitchers who actually have this gene that allows them to travel through time. And there are some people who are using this for not so good purposes and there's then changing the past. And then there are some people who are trying to stop those people. So um, I guess we're probably about five or six chapters in. And uh, everybody's interested, which was what my goal was for this particular book before we move on to other books where I have different goals. But uh, it's good. It's good stuff. I love that. You know, the other day I was talking to my eight-year-old and I asked her, I was like, what are we doing that you're really enjoying in morning time? And she mentioned the read aloud we're doing. um, And she was like, oh, I like it because it's funny. And she, we actually read The Watsons Go to Birmingham as our last book for the last year as well. And she was like, it's like that other funny book that we read. She loved the Watsons go to Birmingham. And um, so it was funny. Cause so, so I'm like, okay, note to self, like if I want to keep her engaged, I have to pick just the exact right read alouds. And that's the way that she's, you know, happy to come and stick around. She's my one that sometimes I have a hard time keeping her at the table. Cause she's like, had so much option for so long but now she's eight and it's not really optional anymore but she's like figuring out that it's not optional and so I'm really having to look for books that kind of keep her attention and so funny is her is her thing not all my kids are all about the funny but she really is enjoying the the books that make her laugh I guess I love it. Well, if you ever need to throw some short things in there, just like add a little section of jokes, like right in the middle of morning time, you know? And so it's kind it was kind of like my Mad Libs hack that I used for years and years to keep Thomas at the table. So just throw in and she never change it up, never let her know when the jokes are coming. And so she'll have to stay there and stay engaged. Well, let's move on to our, uh, topic of this week, which is all about a question that we get a lot and it kind of surprises me sometimes (laughs) because it it takes me aback, this question. But the question is, how long should my morning time be? And so that's the perennial question we're going to be trying to answer this week is, how long should your morning time be? And I think 
the question surprises me because I've never really, I, I won't say I've never, never, never thought about it because there was a year where I was just absolutely convinced that my morning time needed to be about 15 minutes long because Olivia was moving into sixth grade and uh, she was moving into doing middle school work at co-op. And I thought, oh, she's going to have all of this stuff she's going to have to do. And so I need to make morning time shorter to give her and I more time to work on this other stuff together. And it lasted maybe a semester <laughs> before we went back to just doing our regular old morning time. But for the most part, I've never really tried to to put morning time into a box of any specific length. So I think that's why it takes me by surprise. Yeah, my answer is always as long as it needs to be and as long as it can be. Sometimes my kids just aren't going to stay like I, there's a point where I lose them and I have to be a careful monitor to see where that point is and stay below that point. Um, you know, there, there is a sense of like just the discipline aspect of things where I'm like, no, nope, you've got to stay at the table. We're going to get through these things. But morning time is the delight in our day. And it is the time of day where I get kind of the best of my kids in their attention and their discussion and those types of things. And so whenever I'm dragging on too long or trying to put too many things in morning time, I, I can kind of see when I'm losing them. You know, somebody's people start getting up and wandering away a little more often or they're not as engaged or they're not listening or bickering starts to happen and that kind of stuff because they're they're getting more distracted. So it's a very organic thing in our household, but I try to gauge that and I can tell like, oh, you know what? We've been doing it this long, but now we need to cut it back to this amount of time or, oh, they're really still like their brains are still functioning and working and firing on all cylinders so I can keep going. And it is a seasonal thing. Sometimes it's not just like, there is that aspect of like kind of monitoring it day to day, like, oh, we're having a rough day. So maybe we're not going to get through all the things that we would typically get through. But generally it's kind of that seasonal thing. I get a real sense of the ebb and flow of how our day is going to function, but their attention span and their willingness to sit there, it seems to be something that after a week or two of morning time of this school year, I have a pretty good gauge of how that's going to work out. But my kids are older at this point. I know when you have younger kids that those seasons are shorter because, you know, growth and development, babies napping, like all the different pieces that add into what would affect your morning time might be more than just a semester. But at this point where my youngest is eight, Usually by about the first couple of weeks, we have a good sense of what we're going to be doing kind of on a day-to-day basis inside morning time. I love that you're like, you're testing the waters and seeing, and then like the outcome is based on the testing of the waters. Like I'm going to see about how long they last. And that's what our standard is going to be. Uh, Dawn, what about for you? Like, where does the question take you by surprise? I mean, and we're going to dig into the reasons why people would ask the question later in the podcast, but like, what's kind of your take on the length of morning time? Well, it used to take me by surprise, but we've been doing this for a long time now together. And, um, and so it seems to be one of those perennial questions of how long should morning time be? And 
I'm a little more authoritarian than most. Um, and so morning time's going to be as long as I want it to be, <laughs> essentially, and we're going to do it. Um, and you're going to sit there and you're going to participate. And that's that's how it's going to be. Now, I'm going to be reasonable about it. What can, I, I like Lainey's idea of knowing your students and um, leaving them wanting more. But I, it, it is a perennial question, and I struggle to answer it because I don't think most people are as bossy as I am in my own school. Well, let's let's kind of pick apart this idea of why this question keeps coming up again and again and again. And I think a lot of times the question seems very simple. How long should the morning time be? But I think there are probably a lot of things going on behind the question. Uh, you know, why are people asking this question? Because if morning time is something, first of all, if it's not delightful, don't do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's number one. If it's not delightful for you and your family, don't do it. So if it is something that's really delightful, why would you not want it to be longer? And so, you know, let's think of a few reasons why. Why would you not want it to be longer? So much else to do. Um, but, you know, that there, we all have limited amount of time. We're 24 hours in a day. Eight of that should be sleeping. Some of it should be eating. Um, and some of it should be playing, Let's, especially for our kids. And so if I'm going to do this morning time thing, how can I invest? How little time can I invest in it and still get the benefits out of my investment? I think is, is one of the reasons why they're asking that question, why that question is being asked is so I think sometimes people ask it because they view morning time as something that they're putting on top of everything else they're doing and so then the sense of trying to figure out well how much time do I have to devote to this thing is kind of bringing the question into play but I think that the problem with that approach is like morning time shouldn't necessarily be something that is added to everything you're doing it can be what you're doing like it's, I think a lot of people come to morning time and they already have, if they're not like brand new homeschoolers and they're not like, you know, just starting this thing out and they're not starting with the concept of morning time, they already have something that they're doing in their homeschool. And if they're bringing morning time into what they're doing, then it's like, okay, I'm hearing about this great thing. And the thing I see more homeschoolers doing is that they're trying to add it on top of all of the other things rather than recognizing that it's its own thing in and of itself, that it's not just an additional subject to put on the list. It's not something else to put on the to-do list. It actually like can replace a lot of the other things you're doing and bring that delight and that joy to your homeschool where you're just kind of dabbling in that truth, goodness, and beauty that comes from what you're doing in morning time. But we often talk here about how morning time can be your history. It can be your science. It can be where you pull these things in. And I think sometimes when people are first starting out and trying to figure it out, they're still trying to put it on top of what they're uh -huh. doing. 
And that that's where the question, well, how long is this supposed to be? Because like Dawn said, we have limited hours in the day. And if we've already filled our schedule with all the things that we think we should be doing, and now we're trying to add morning time to it, then it becomes this thing that is like, we must limit the time in a way that is not necessarily as organic as what I was describing before, because people have to, you have to get all the other boxes checked. And so it's really important. But I think when you start to recognize that morning time is more than just a box to check, that that's when you kind of get that freedom of being able to incorporate multiple things into your morning time so that you can just have morning time be what you're doing for school. And of course, that does change as kids get older. I know we were going to talk a little bit about that, about how the ages and stages kind of, you know, sometimes dictate what that time is. But I don't know, maybe that's one of the things I see as being kind of an underlying reason behind people asking how long should morning time be. I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, reasons why people ask is because they're still struggling with that, uh, wrestling with that idea of, wait a second, you know, so much of my history and science and all of this stuff can go into this spot for all of my kids, you know, all of our fine arts, all of these things. This can be the education I'm giving my children with some skill work over here. And honestly, you know, if you're, if you're somebody, if you're somebody like me and Dawn and you've got three kids, I mean, yeah, it does take a little bit of time to do that skill work. If you're somebody like Lainey, who has a ton of kids <laughs> and it takes a long time to do that skill work. And it's probably, you know, a, a bigger balancing act between, yeah, we're doing a lot of our content area work over here, but I still have to have this time for these skills that I can't necessarily cover in morning time because I don't, I haven't heard of anybody doing it yet. If you've done it, please send me a message and we'll like get you on the podcast. But I haven't heard of anybody like teaching phonics to everybody all at the same time or teaching math to everybody all at the same time in morning time outside of, you know, just what I, I like to call the beautiful math. You know, we do that in morning time. But as far as like putting your nose to the grindstone and doing all the skill work when, when it comes to mathematics, typically that stuff happens outside of morning time. And the more kids you have, the more time you have to have for that during that part of the day. Well, and I think that mentality shift is really huge. I mean, I know that if you've listened to the podcast at all, like I know I've talked about that, about how morning time is our day. That's the thing we do. And then we do the school skill subjects. Like after that, it's kind of the thing. Well, at the request of two of my children this year, we kind of flip things on their head and we've been, and the whole day is feeling off. And I actually told the kids today, I was like, this is not working for me. We have to go back to starting our day with our morning time and like getting all of this like content subjects because I'm so exhausted by the time I've done math and done like all of the phonics lessons and the reading and everything else that I have less energy for morning time. And frankly, it's where I want my energy to be. Those other things are getting done whenever morning time first. And it, and it energizes you for those other things the the content and the and the interest and the oh and and it it actually builds you up so you can face those other things um, with a little bit more yeah well this morning as we were starting our day with math because a kid wanted to do all of his individual skill work first you know and we were crying over math I thought 
this is why Pam says not to start with math. <laughs> and I, I just told him, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, we're we're going to have to, like, tweak the schedule again. And we're going to, like, shift things back around. So we're going to, next week, they're probably going to be all disgruntled with me. because. And, you know, it's interesting because he wants to get his skill work done first. And even though he has that desire still sitting down to do something that he wants to do first, it still ends up being hard to do and putting, putting your whole day in a, in disarray, even though really that, you know, he really wanted to do that. So it, I just find that a little ironic. It's a little ironic. And, and the thing is, is that when we, I, why, you know, why did I break the schedule? It wasn't broken. Like, it was working just fine the way we were doing it, but it was listening to their feedback. And I was like, okay, we'll try this out. And for the first few weeks of school, it was great. But now there's a little bit of harder time getting started. But again, I think it's, they don't really want to start that skill work first thing in the morning, even though they say they do, they want to get it checked off the list so they don't have to do it later in the day. But that easing into our day with morning time, like, that playlist that starts kind of lets them have the time to like wake up and get food and do the things that they need to do to get ready rather than like, okay, you're awake. So now let's get to the table mm-hmm. like it, uh, for hard things. Uh, there's such a, there's something that's really magical about easing into our day with morning time. And I think, but again, this goes back to, you know, Dawn was saying earlier that she thinks she's just more authoritarian about how she's going to say, nope, you're just going to do it. My problem is I am much an over planner and I'm enjoying morning time so thoroughly that I want to keep going. And so I have to gauge their attention span and that kind of thing, because I can't use all of their energy for morning time. If I'm going to do skill work after that, I have to make sure they have something left to give after that because they're still pretty little I mean we're not talking about my teenagers which then I'm like no this is what we're doing we're going to get all the way through it yeah okay so Dawn do you still use a timer for morning time um don't use a timer but I do stay pretty strictly in the amount of time that we have and how long have you been tell us about that because you've been doing that for a while now right yeah when my kids got to high school they very much were all like, we have to, we want to do morning time, but we have to keep it within an hour. Um, that we have too much other work that has to be accomplished. We have music lessons, we have jobs, we have like all the things. Morning, we want to do morning time with you, but it has to be an hour. Um, and so I'm pretty strict about the the hour um, for for and. It works out really well for us. We get, you know, all of our Bible um, and our theology. We do poetry. We do some read-alouds. Um, we're reading. Um, we're reading some Charlotte Mason, and and it's just me and Rebecca, and and that's it's just been super fun. Um, but it's an hour before they were all in high school. We often went an hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes even we did even more during like drawing and handicrafts and all the grammar, things all kinds grammar, of grammar all kinds of stuff um in morning time um it was that was probably when it was the longest but my kids are all very close in age they're 32 months apart from top to bottom so 
um, we could we could really get a large part of our day done in morning time, and then they had less independent work to do for for real. Um, but it was a long morning time. And I often That's- talk about what I call like the golden age of morning time. Yes. And this is, uh, so just to define this, this is something Pam totally made up, right? And I'm allowed (laughs) to do that. I have a podcast about morning time, so I can make things up. But like, this is when your youngest is just into school age and your oldest is right at middle school. Now, Laney never had a golden age of morning time, though you have it now that your older kids are gone. You have it now, right? So your youngest is what, eight? Yep. And my, the one, the oldest that I'm homeschooling is 13, 13. Right. So now, yeah. Yeah. Lainey is in that period. Dawn and I have both been in that period. And quite frankly, that is when your morning time can absolutely be the longest because you can get Mm -hmm. so many of your subjects done. Um, you know, you've got kids, you don't have toddlers anymore, right. Mm -hmm. Who are, I'm not going to say that nobody at your house is being disruptive, but you know, it's, it's less disruptive than when you had a two or a three-year-old and you don't have anybody who has that job or a lot of online classes or who needs to get out the door. And yeah, I mean, there were times where our morning time was, was well over an hour at that point. Hmm. Um, you know, last year we were running probably an hour and a half to two hours every day, but it was all we did other than just everybody basically did like, the little ones that weren't quite reading yet or were still doing phonics and a little bit of math. The older ones were doing essentially like writing and math. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that that was about it. I mean, and everything else we covered in those morning time periods. This year, I'm finding that our morning time is actually a little shorter than what it has been for the last um, year or so. And it's, we are running more of right about an hour now. Sometimes it'll go a little longer than that, but we're hitting... But I have that eighth grader who is, he's got more outside work and his, his individual work has kind of ramped up. So again, it's about respecting that time. Uh And then the other thing is, is that right now the little kids will stick around for a read aloud and he's peeling off to go work on his independent work um, because he's got more to do. And then you know, it's just the three younger kids that are listening to the read aloud that, and so he's listening to some read alouds, but just I'll pick books that are just for them. And they may even be something he's already read before. Um, And so that's, I think that's so important. Not everybody in your family has to be there for the same amount of time. Like your older kids, like schedule the things that like you absolutely want to make sure are going to happen. I know Brandy Vensel used to like do Bible and Shakespeare and then her oldest was was off. Um, or I think Cindy got through Plutarch and Shakespeare and then the rest of the kids were off. Um, and then she could keep going with that younger contingent. But not everybody has to do the same amount of time for morning time, which I think is an important. And if you have littles, your littles can like, didn't Celeste Cruz talk about that? When her littles were done, yeah. they could go get their Crocs and 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 head out and play in their fenced backyard. She could see them; they were all safe and and good. But um, and then she kept going end. with the slightly older kids, with the right. ones who were six, seven, and eight, while the you know the four year old and the five year old had like gone on 
out the back door right. to jump on the trampoline or, you know, play right. basketball or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's, so, like, that's what I was talking about earlier. That's why my eight-year-old is having a harder time sometimes where I'm like, nope, you have to stay because mm-hmm. she's had that freedom for a lot of years because mm-hmm. I've been doing morning time with all these older kids for so long. And so when she was little, it was like, hey, if you want to be here, you can be here. But if you don't, just run along and do your thing. As long as I know what she's doing and that she's safe and she's got, you know, some place that she can go mm-hmm. and play that I know that she's not going to be in any kind of harm's way, then that works really well once they get to that age where they're not just mischief making. Um, but now that she's a little bit older, she, I'm like, well, you really have to stick around for this. So she's kind of going through that transition period now. Last year, she had to stay for just about everything, but we were reading some books with our 16 year old that I didn't really necessarily want her to listen to. So she was free to, to go then. And so this year though, but like everything we're doing this year is geared for her and the two that are right above her. And so she's having to stay. So it's, it's very, you know, saying how long morning time needs to be in one sense, it's going to change through the different seasons. Yeah, for sure. If you have, um, if you have little ones and really big ones, you know, we're talking about, somebody asked the other day, they were like, well, is it okay if I do like, should I do just a morning time for just my littles? If that works for you and you have time and you feel like that's beneficial to pour into that child. Absolutely. So where Dawn was talking about, like put the things that are important that you want to share right at the beginning of your morning time and then let the older kids peel off or, you know, however they need to go. But sometimes for me over the years, it was having some sort of something in the middle of morning time. It wasn't necessarily time-wise in the middle, but like the Bible and whatever else that I wanted everybody to participate in with no questions asked would be like this hinging point because I might take an older one and do a read aloud and have like a little bit of a morning time with them. And then when we got through the stuff with the Bible, then like when it was time to do the Bible stuff, then everybody would come in together and then the older ones would leave or the other way around where I might be doing something that's just special for like one or two little ones. And then everybody comes to the table when it's time to do the things that I want the whole family to be there for. And then the little ones can go and the bigger ones stay. So it's kind of having this identifying what the priority pieces are for you about what you want your whole family there for versus what you decide maybe a little one needs to participate in this or maybe an older child needs to participate in this and kind of gauging, you know, who needs to be there for how long. So it can vary, especially when you have a larger family with a wide age range. But then you have like Heather Tully. I mean, she's got what, 10 kids and they all are just there for the whole thing pretty much. Um, So I think it just kind of, it's always good to evaluate your family and figuring out what is going to work for the dynamics of your family and your mm-hmm. children, you know, but there's not one right way to do it. And there's not one correct length of time to do morning time for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, what and- we haven't talked about is having a really short morning time. Well, and I was going to I that, was going to kind of address that because uh you know we may have a mom out there who's listening to us and maybe she has a 2-year-old or uh oh goodness like the 13 months to 23 months just like 
uh, put me in the asylum now, right? <laughs> Trying to do morning time with that age mm-hmm. range. And they're feeling like, I can't, like, we can't even do five minutes. Does it count? Right. Yeah. Well, it it's not only that with those little littles, but also like maybe you're a new homeschooler and you're wanting to try this morning time thing and you have a sixth grader or a seventh grader and you're like, I don't know if I can really like 15 minutes. I could do 15 minutes. Does that count? Yes. Five minutes counts. 15 minutes counts. If you're gathering everybody together and doing one thing, whatever that one thing is that you have determined that all of your people are going to do, it counts as morning time. Yeah. Which I think leads us to this idea, which I don't know that we think about a lot. And that is, as you sit down to think about doing a morning time practice, what is your goal? What are you Mm -hmm. trying to accomplish? Why are you doing this? And I'm going to tell you the answer that's probably not helpful is because some lady on the internet was doing it, right? (laughs) You know? Because Pam told me to. (laughs) Because Pam told me to. That's not the right answer, y'all. So, you know, what, what is the why behind why we're doing this? Is it because you want that centering time where all of your people can come together? You know, Heather Tully's talked about before, my five-year-old would not see my 15-year-old mm-hmm. if it were not for morning time. So for her family, they really needed this touch point in their day when the entire family could come together and everyone could see each other. For other people, for me, for a very long period of time, um, there were a couple of different goals. One goal was there's all this beautiful stuff that we never get to because mm-hmm. You know, I just can't find a time to fit it in my day when I started grouping it together and putting it in the basket and pulling that basket out and doing it. Then it became something that happened for a while. That was it. And then it became, oh, my goodness, now all of my kids are close enough in age together. It is such an efficient use of my time to do our science and history together. So my goals have even changed at different times. And then it went back to. We were not doing so much science together and stuff like that because kids were doing separate things. It went back to let's, let's do this beautiful stuff. And actually, I would think over the past couple of years, it's become more let's make, create this place where we can have conversations together. So through the years, I've had all of these different goals for morning time. So it makes sense that at different times that it would be different lengths, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I, I think the other but like at the end, like as your kids are getting older, morning time becomes a place where you get to connect with them. Yes. You know, the years are short, even if you're in the middle of toddlerhood and it feels like every day is super long. It, the years are short. And so as you're moving kids, the older kids up, morning time becomes a place where sometimes that is the time that you get to connect with them. It's not just the three-year-old and the 15-year-old. It can be sometimes like, mom and those teenagers. It's really uh-huh. the time that you have to sit and have a conversation, especially once they start filling their schedule with extracurriculars and jobs and all kinds of other things. They're busy people. Yeah. People are like, well, you're going to be like doing so much less now that you're only having one student. I'm like, well, for the past few years, like I would hear narrations and I would hear things, but my kids were really independent with their schooling. Like I told them what they had to do and they pretty much did it. I stayed on top of them a little bit because they are kids, but like 
Morning time is the only time I have taught in years. That's the only part of my day when, when I actually am being involved in the learning in the, in, directly with my kids. Um, and that was, that was a big surprise to me, honestly. Um, so I agree that that hour in the morning was a major, became a major touch point. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll be sad whenever I'm not like, I'm, I just so much enjoy the things that we're doing when yeah. it's just me at that table and it'd be a sad day. We're going to have an old ladies morning time club. <laughs> when all yeah, our kids really are gone. <laughs> we're just going to have an old ladies, you know, the I, red hat ladies, we're just going to start our own morning time club. <laughs> I will say that um, through the explorations, one of the things recently was Mad Libs. My kids have always loved doing Mad Libs. And so it was like fairy tale Mad Libs. And I printed them off and I got the older, the other two to come join us for Mad Libs. And that was really fun to like, it's still a part of their world. They still watch Carl a lot of the mornings together. Like, so there is still some of the, um, you know, of that togetherness that I see from their relationships that gives me a great deal of pleasure too. But that was fostered from the years at the table right. together. Exactly. You know, just yeah. the splinter every morning where everybody just gets up and goes and does their own thing. They forged those relationships. For sure. Yes. So I, it's morning time is just such a beautiful thing. And I love seeing how it has different effects in different seasons of my life, but also different seasons in my kids' lives. I will, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the sweetest memories that I have of homeschooling my daughter is when she asked to come back to morning time. She had gotten mm-hmm. a job. She was working as a barista. She was Ooh. gone every morning. And I was like, we're just going to have to do morning time without her this year because we still need this schedule to work. And she ended up switching some stuff uh, in her schedule. And she was like, can I come back to morning time? And I was like, yes, we would love to have you come back to morning time. And that was such a delight that it was something that she wanted to engage in. Yeah. And I think after the years, I know, I know when it's new and when you're trying to figure out how do I fit this in my day? You know, so it's just to wrap it up with some very practical things. First of all, what is your goal? You know, what are you trying to accomplish with this morning time practice? There are so many things. And maybe that's another podcast for us is what are some of the different goals you could possibly have for doing morning time? So we'll add that one to the season for next spring. But but what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish with this morning time thing? And then, you know, taking into account the ages of your kids and the season that you're in and some of the flexible options we've given you today, you know, that's another thing to consider But then realizing that, you know, even if you start off small, which we encourage you to do anyway, no matter what, we encourage you, if you're just getting started with this, don't say, well, those ladies said it should be an hour. That's not what we said. We think everybody should start with a very short morning time and then leave them wanting more, gradually build it over time until you kind of know, hey, this is as long as it needs to be. This is where it fits in our day. You know, you practice it, you get better at it. Your kids practice it, they get better at it. And then, um, you know, you're going to see the fruit over time. Mm-hmm. Once you've, you've done that, once you've figured out your goals, you've, you've started working on it, you're practicing it, you're, you're, you're doing it day in and day out. And, and it does sometimes take a little bit of time, but eventually you will see the fruit. And I think have some of these lovely stories 
in the end, you know, about those relationships with your kids and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to say two things in response to what you just said, seeing the fruit. I did not necessarily see the fruit until I had a graduate. So when Pam says it could take a long time before you see the fruit, it could take a long time before you see the fruit. Um, and second, sometimes you do get a little too long. And what's yeah. you, you, you have a thing where you say when it starts to get, when it stops working, when it stops working, when it stops working back off to where mm-hmm. it was working and that's yeah. how long it needs to be. Yeah. Because it's super easy to add stuff to more. Like once you get into it, it gets super easy to add too much. Yeah. Which is why Don has a timer or a, a, at least a knowledge of time that it's going right. to be an hour. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm stopping. Yeah. Well, so. and that's what I was talking about. Kind of about gauging my kids. Like yeah, I can yeah. put all of this stuff in a plan because I know, well, this is what we accomplished last year. This is what we accomplished last semester. But then when I really start to do that every day, if I'm, if I'm losing my kids attention before I'm done every day, and that's not to say that we don't have to build their attention, like on the front end, like Pam said, we start small. Um, You know, if you're talking to me in membership and you're new to morning time, I tell people every time it's like a broken record, one activity from the plans and one picture book. That's it. Call it done. And if that's too much, then do one activity today and one picture book tomorrow and then one activity the next day and one mm-hmm. picture book. Like it should be so small when you start that you feel like number one, it's so easy. Like, why wouldn't I just do this? And number yes. two, it feels mm-hmm. like, well, surely I'm not doing enough because it is about that growth, that slow growth over time. So if you have a really short morning time, even for a long period of time, if you have a short morning time, you know, you have some families that have kids really close together and then they're going to move out of that phase and they're going to move into that golden age of morning time. Like Pam was talking about in a rapid fashion, it'll be just a couple of years and then you're there, but then you have other families that are continuing to grow and they are, it's like, I think it's, somebody was talking, maybe it was Sarah McKenzie was talking about when your season is longer than a season. Like (laughs) if you have a large family, Those, you know, we talk about, oh, the babyhood and the toddlers and that that's just a season. But if you're continually adding new little ones to your family, that season grows very long. And so it feels like you're never going to get to the other side of it. And I think it's important for moms that are in that season to recognize it's okay that if it's short for long periods of time, that goes back to talking about what Pam was mentioning. And that is focus on the goal at hand. What are you trying to accomplish in morning time? You know, it's, there's so many different things that are unique for each family. And short or long, you know, I promise it's totally going to be worth it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Advice I ever got from Pam do morning time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I really thank appreciate you. you coming on and, and chatting with us. And hopefully we gave some answers to this perennial <laughs> question and everybody's going to stop at, no, they're not going to stop asking it, but that's okay. We'll just answer it again. So, yeah. all right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Pam. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to your morning basket. If you are ready to spend less time planning and more time engaged in learning with your children, 
Join Your Morning Basket Plus, a monthly membership with everything you need to start a morning time practice in your homeschool. To join, head on over to ymbplus.com and I'll see you there.